Welcome to the Money Love Podcast. I'm your host and money coach, Paige Pritchard. If you're ready to uplevel your results in relationship with money, you're in the right place. Each week, I give you the tools to transform your mindset, manage your emotions, and achieve results with your money you never dreamed were possible. Hi, love. Welcome to episode 35 of the Money Love Podcast. This week, we are continuing our series all about women and money. I have been getting such amazing feedback from you guys on last week's episode where we kind of broke down all the differences between men and women when it comes to money. For the next couple of weeks, we are going to be talking about concepts and topics that I feel are really holding women back from reaching their full financial potential. And comparison is at the top of that list. So for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking about topics like comparison today, indecisiveness, our inability to take calculated risk, our addiction to people-pleasing, our lack of self-confidence, our need for instant gratification, all those things. But today, we are kicking off this conversation with comparison because I can tell you without a doubt, comparison is costing you. It's costing you your mental and emotional well-being. It's costing you time, and it is certainly costing you money. So I cannot wait to really dive into this topic today, breaking down comparison and giving you guys some things to think about and consider, but then also giving you some actionable tools and a new mindset that you can adopt that is really going to help you come out of comparison into a more content place. Comparison is a lose-lose game, always. When you compare yourself to others, you are either going to end up feeling superior to someone else or inferior to someone else. And neither of those are a place that we ever want to be coming from. But the comparison that we're going to be focusing on here in this episode is the comparison that makes us feel inferior. Like another person is better than us, is prettier than us, is more successful than we are, they're richer than us, they're a better fill-in-the-blank than us, right? A better mom, a better entrepreneur or employee, a better sibling, a better spouse. And the first thing that I want to point out is that comparison happens in our mind, always. It always starts with our thoughts. Thoughts like... Her house is so much bigger or cleaner or better decorated than mine. Her growth is happening so much quicker than mine. Her kid is so much better behaved than mine. Her husband is so much more romantic than my husband. She's so much more confident and better spoken than I am. She has so much more money than I do. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I can give you a hundred of these thoughts and examples, but the interesting thing to point out here is that all of these things are just thoughts that your brain is offering you. They are your observations and your perception of your situation versus another person's situation. But it's all subjective, right? Someone else could look at the situation, look at your situation versus someone else's and come up with a completely different conclusion. That is something that I want you to think about because many times when we compare We compare in a very absolute and definitive way. We think these thoughts or we say the words like they are just facts. But again, really, they're just thoughts, right? All of those things made it seem like it's factually true. Like, oh, her husband is so much more romantic than mine. 
Well, romantic is subjective, right? Define romantic. What's romantic to one person might not be romantic to another. So just be on to yourself and be on to your brain that many times when we're comparing, it's just your own interpretation and perception of the situation. But comparison is saying what I have isn't enough. And when you compare, you give up all of your power to another person. Because when you are comparing, what you're saying is, if I had what they had, I would be happier or my life would be better than it is. And when you think about it, comparison is the opposite of abundance. We talk about being in abundance a lot on this podcast, and I always define abundance as being in a state of enough. Abundance is never wanting more or wanting or desiring what others have. Comparison is actually deeply rooted and it thrives on a scarcity mindset. And the unfortunate thing is that in the past 10 to 15 years, comparison has gotten progressively worse. It's become more and more of a problem and a hindrance with each passing day. I think that with the explosion of social media in the past decade, the struggle of comparison has skyrocketed and gotten even worse. I'm not sure if you guys last year watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. If you have Netflix, you probably watched it. I feel like everyone watched it. My husband and I watched it, and I remember at the end of it, we just looked at each other and we were like, wow, that was utterly terrifying. In the documentary, in case you haven't watched it, or maybe you did, and I'll just refresh your memory on this, there was a part of it where they started to present data and statistics for hospitalization rates and suicide rates and self-harm rates, specifically for young women. And in the documentary, it showed that social media has led to a tripling of self-harm among preteens, which are young girls ages like 10 to 14 in the U.S., and there was a 150% rise in suicides amongst this age group. Also, rates for self-harm for girls aged 15 to 19, so those that are considered teenagers, are up 62% since 2009. And all of these spikes in this data is happening around the time that social media started blowing up. Now, these numbers and this data is a combination of things. It's a combination of things like cyberbullying and things like that. But there is no doubt in my mind that comparison is playing into this as well. When you're that young and when you're that impressionable and you are constantly having these images and messages of these standards of beauty or success shoved in your face 24-7, it's no wonder that although we're more connected than we've ever been, we're also the most unhappy that we've ever been. I mean, think about our parents' generation. And again, I'm saying this, I'm 31 years old, I'll be 32 in August. So I'm saying this as a you know, 31-year-old woman. But even just think to our parents' generation. When I think about my mom, I'm sure that my mom and most women and the generation above me struggled with comparison, right? It's natural for all of us to struggle with comparison, but they only had so much to compare themselves against. It was like, if I'm going to compare myself, it's going to be within somebody in my immediate circle. Now, we are literally comparing ourselves, our bodies, our lives, our homes, our cars, our bank accounts to complete strangers on the internet that even just a decade ago, we would have no idea that they existed. Think about one person that you follow on social media 
that you really like following them, but every single time you follow them, you find yourself thinking thoughts like, oh my gosh, her house is so beautiful. I want the car that she has. Her children are so beautiful. Her husband is so handsome. She is the cutest dog. I want her life. I want her wardrobe. So when we look at it, this issue is not just an issue with preteens and teenage girls. Comparison is a struggle for grown women. And I can say this because I personally struggle with comparison a lot. Hands down, my biggest trigger for comparison is without a doubt social media, but specifically Instagram. I have honestly gotten to a point with Instagram that I have to put boundaries in place to protect my mental and emotional well-being because if I don't, I get sucked into the comparison wormhole. I have honestly gotten to a point on Instagram where I am in and I am out. I go on, I post what I need to post, I post my stories, I post my reels, I answer my DMs, and then I am out. I have just learned about myself that I cannot spend time perusing social media because if I do, without a doubt, I can always find another person or another account where I'm presented with the opportunity to compare either myself or compare my life with them, and it's just not a place that I'm willing to go anymore. Comparison is a huge issue, even with myself. It is plaguing the minds of women everywhere. And like I said, it's time that we start overcoming it and we stop letting it be so costly in our lives. There are four steps that I want to walk you through when it comes to comparison. Let's go through all four. The first step is having compassion for yourself, first and foremost. I want just to start by telling you that you have to recognize that comparison is such a prominent issue because your brain has been designed to compare. Remember that your brain's primary purpose is survival. Its number one job and function is to keep you alive. And when you give some thought to it, it actually makes sense that comparison is very helpful for survival, right? I mean, at least it used to be, okay? So I want you to think like back in the caveman days. It's actually very helpful for our brains to be focused on and observing the quantity and the availability of our resources and comparing that to others as a benchmark to evaluate and to assess like, oh, okay, do I have enough? Will I be able to eat? Will I be able to drink? Will I be able to reproduce and survive basically? But today in 2021, our brains are still very much wired for comparison, but in modern day, it's not as helpful or as necessary for survival as it used to be. So your brain is wired to compare things, to look at the amount of resources that you have and compare them to others as a benchmark. This means, though, that if you let your brain run on autopilot and you are not intentionally managing your brain, comparison and scarcity are going to take over and run the show every single time. But I always find it helpful to remind myself when I find my brain getting caught in comparison to have compassion for myself. And first and foremost, before I do anything else, just be like, oh, right. This is my brain doing what my brain has been designed to do. That is the first step. Don't judge yourself or beat yourself up for getting caught in the comparison trap. Sometimes I hear people say, like, well, just stop comparing yourself to other people. Like, it's that simple. 
And it's like, no, first of all, your brain's just kind of doing what it's going to do, but we don't have to let your lizard brain, your caveman brain run the show. But first and foremost, just have compassion for yourself. Don't judge your brain for being your brain because when you do that, all you're doing is just creating more negative emotion in your life, right? Like you feel bad because you're like, oh man, I'm comparing myself. I shouldn't be doing that. But then you're just beating yourself up for comparing yourself. So you're just layering negative emotion and judgment on top of more judgment. You're judging yourself for judging other people, right? It's not helpful. And judging your thoughts is going to keep you stuck just as much as it will to just not be aware of what your thoughts are in the first place. So that's the first step, having compassion for yourself. When you catch yourself comparing, you can just slow down and pause and just be like, aha, this is just my brain being my brain. Thank you, brain. I appreciate your concern, but listen, we're just not going to go there. You know why? Because it's just not necessary for survival. I'm safe. I have everything I need and nothing more. Once we are in a place of compassion with ourselves, we can move into the second step, which is identifying what our comparison triggers are and work to limit them or eliminate them altogether. Now, I also want to take this step to point out a key distinction here. Not all comparison is bad. Okay. I really want you to take this in. So I'm going to say that one more time. Not all comparison is bad. The difference between good comparison and bad comparison is based off of the thoughts and the emotions that are generated within us. That's how we can distinguish between the two. So let's start with the difference in your thinking that would generate two different emotions that's going to generate two different sets of actions, right? This is our model. Just a reminder, thoughts create feelings, feelings drive actions. So for me, this would be a very clear example in my life. An area that I find myself comparing a lot for me personally is my business. I look at my business and then I will look at someone else's business. Here are two very different sets of thoughts that is going to generate two different types of comparisons. So the first set of thoughts that I could have is looking at someone else's business and thinking, oh, she's so much farther along than me. Her growth is happening so much quicker than it is for me. That's one set of thoughts that I could be having versus, oh my gosh, she's so amazing. I am so inspired by her and what she's created. Like She has gotten her business to a level that I want to get mine to. And so she's someone that I can learn from. Like If she can do it, I can do it. Again, those are just all thoughts. And I want to point out that both of those sets of thoughts are available to me. I get to be the one in the driver's seat determining which one of those I'm going to think. So if we look at those two examples, you can see that they're both comparisons, right? I'm looking at something that I have and I am making a judgment against something that someone else has. But the first set of thoughts is going to create comparison in me that makes me feel dissatisfied and that makes me feel discontent with my current situation. The second set of thoughts is still me comparing, but instead of making me feel discontent, it's actually going to make me feel inspired and challenged and motivated. So when we are distinguishing between good and bad comparison, you're going to want to pay attention to your feelings and to your emotions. How do the thoughts that you're thinking make you feel? Because remember, your feelings are the fuel that drive all of your actions and all of your inactions. They're the gas that you put into your car so that you can actually turn your car on and go places. With this step of identifying your comparison triggers, 
I want you to be focused on the type of comparison that doesn't serve you. The comparison that makes you feel those feelings of inferiority, of dissatisfaction, and of disappointment. If you're doing comparing that is serving you, that's inspiring you and challenging you and pushing you forward, then keep doing it because it's healthy. It's going to get you to where you want to be. That's the type of comparison that we want to keep. But for the comparison that isn't serving you, which I think would probably be like 80% of the comparison that we're doing, that is the type of comparison where we want to identify what is triggering our thoughts. That's creating that negative type of comparison. So when you are thinking about your comparison triggers, I want you to think about it this way. Ask yourself, what are the circumstances where I tend to be triggered to think thoughts where I'm comparing myself and I'm finding myself feeling dissatisfied or discontent with my current circumstances? Is it social media? Maybe it's a TV show, you guys. I can tell you this. A couple years ago, I loved the show, as I'm sure many of you can relate, Fixer Upper. But after a while, you know what I realized? I started to realize that the more I watched the show, the more dissatisfied it made me feel with my own home. I always found myself comparing my home to these homes on Fixer Upper that Chip and Joanna Gaines were renovating. And it was the type of comparison that didn't feel good. It just made me fester. And it really just created these feelings of dissatisfaction in my own life. Now, remember, this says absolutely nothing about the show Fixer Upper or about Chip and Joanna Gaines. It says everything to do with me and what's going on in my own mind. So for you, like, what is it? Is it social media? Is it a TV show? Maybe it's a person. People can actually trigger comparison in us. Maybe there's a coworker that you have where you really admire them, but whenever you're around them, you constantly just find yourself focused on your inadequacies. So when you are thinking about your triggers, think about all of the inputs that you are intentionally consuming, but that are causing you to think thoughts that are making you feel inadequate dissatisfied, disappointed with your own life. And when you identify what they are, you either need to start to limit the amount that you are exposing yourself to them, or honestly, better if you can, eliminate them all together. This is what I was telling you with social media for myself. I just came to a realization one day that in order to protect my emotional well-being, I could no longer allow myself just to be on Instagram mindlessly scrolling. And with what I do, it wasn't really an option for me just to say like, well, I'm just going to give up Instagram altogether. But it really just came to a point where I was like, listen, I just got to be in and I got to be out. And it's funny, sometimes you guys might notice that I'll go from being like really, really active on Instagram to then all of a sudden, (laughs) I actually did this last week, which is funny that I'm saying this, but all of a sudden I'll just go dark for like a week. And people will kind of be like, "Uh, is everything okay? Like, where are you? And usually when that happens, it's because I can really just feel myself getting to a place where I'm like, I need to take a break. Like this is getting to a point where it's not serving me and it's not helping me. And I have to put those boundaries in place to protect my emotional well-being. So this is the second step is for you, identify what are my comparison triggers. And then, like I said, be vigilant about how often you're going to expose yourself to those triggers moving forward, if at all. Okay, so that's the second step. So 
To recap, step one, have compassion for yourself. Don't judge your brain for comparing. It's natural to do it. But step two is identifying what your triggers are and making a conscious effort to limit them in your life. Step three is intentionally coming out of emotional childhood and into emotional adulthood. When you are comparing, you are not only rooted in a scarcity mindset, but you are also in a state of emotional childhood. Now, emotional childhood is a state of believing that the circumstances of the world are in charge of your feelings or emotions. It is believing that more money, a bigger house, a nicer car, a better wardrobe are going to make you feel differently than how you feel now. Remember, with our model, it goes circumstances, thoughts, feelings, actions, and results. When you are in a state of emotional childhood, you are essentially eliminating the thought out of the model. And what you're saying is, no, the circumstances of the world cause me to feel a different way. And so when you are in a state of emotional childhood, what happens is you start to become a control freak. You start to think that, oh, once I have more of something or once my circumstances are different, that's when I'll be able to feel better. It's arguing with reality. It's saying like, oh, if the circumstances of my life are different, then I would feel fill in the blank. And being in a state of emotional childhood is the most powerless place that you can be. Not only because you are placing ownership and responsibility of your emotional state in something outside of you, but also just because it's not true. And we know this, you guys. We know this. We have all seen this. And actually, most of us have experienced this, right? Like how we think like, oh, when I have more money, then I'm finally going to feel more secure. And then we get more money and we don't feel any more secure. And then we keep pushing out the finish line. It's just a never-ending hamster wheel that we can't get off of. And it's crazy to think about all the things that you have in your life right now. At some point in the past, you probably wanted, because of the way you thought, that you were going to feel once you had them. You were like, once I'm finally able to buy a house, like once I become a homeowner, then I'm finally going to feel like I've made it financially, right? Then you buy the home, you get in the home, and then you start wanting a bigger home. That is a state of emotional childhood. And we all know it doesn't work, you guys, okay? Circumstances do not cause feelings. So like I said, instead, we have to intentionally redirect our minds to be in a place of emotional adulthood, which is the contrast to emotional childhood, which is the state where you realize and you believe to your core that your thinking and your beliefs is what needs to change in order for you to feel the way that you want to feel. It's the acknowledgement of the T line in the model. It's knowing that your thoughts causes your feelings. And here's why I'm talking about this in terms of comparison. Because when you can be in a state of emotional adulthood, you will find that comparison becomes much less of an issue in your life because you're going to be constantly reminding yourself that changing your circumstances won't make you feel any happier. It's not going to make your life any better. It's not going to make you any more successful or any more worthy or any more beautiful. It's a reminder that you don't need someone else's life to feel the way that you want to feel. When you're being an emotional child saying like, oh, if I could just have what that other person has, 
and then I'd finally be happy, you're abandoning yourself. And that is what the bad type of comparison is. It's a form of self-abandonment. But when you're in a state of emotional adulthood and you recognize the fact that I create my own emotional well-being through my thoughts and beliefs, you can actually go from abandoning yourself to coming back to yourself to saying, like, I don't need my life to be any different than it is. I don't need my life to look like that person's life, or I don't need what she has to make myself feel better. You can come back to yourself and you can realize that everything that you need to feel the way that you want to feel, you already have inside of you. It's already there. It's just waiting to be explored and leveraged by you. You just had to intentionally direct your energy there. Remember that if you just let your brain run amok, it's going to. An unmanaged mind is like a toddler running around a house with a knife. It's going to create some damage and it's going to do some harm. The same is true for your brain. Unintentional thoughts and beliefs are going to create unintentional results. And like I said, you have to be vigilant about protecting your mind. It is the creator and the source of every result that you desire. And so you have to guard it and protect it fiercely. That's the third step. So here are the three steps just to recap. First, have compassion for yourself. Secondly, address your comparison triggers. Third, be intentional about bringing yourself out of emotional childhood and into emotional adulthood. And so the fourth and final step that I want to give you are three emotions that you can be really focused on cultivating that I believe are the antidotes to comparison. There's three major ones that I've identified, which are curiosity, gratitude, and self-love. Let's start with curiosity. Curiosity is one of my favorite emotions. It is such a powerful remedy to fighting against comparison and jealousy. And it can really pull you out of the compare and despair and put you into a state of comparison that's more positive and productive. This is the more positive comparison that I was talking about. A realization, especially with money, that has really helped me generate more curiosity in my life when I find myself comparing is the realization that money and success and all of the things that you can think of are abundant. They are everywhere. There is so much to go around. There is enough for her and there is enough for me. Before I realized this, I would find myself comparing my situation to another woman's and I would be like, oh man, this sucks. Like more for her means more for me. The more money her business makes means the less money that my business can make. But after I realized this, after I realized that, oh, money is everywhere. There is so much of it. It is abundant. There is plenty to go around. When I realized that and I really started to believe that in my heart of hearts, it was like, oh, okay, she is actually showing me that it's possible. More for her means more for me. And knowing that and believing that, now my brain goes to, okay, I want to figure out how she did that. So then I start asking myself questions like, how did she do that? How can I create a similar result in my life or in my business? being so curious and asking questions to spark that curiosity, right? Like if I'm tempted to compare myself to someone because they have a different result than me, I want to make myself a student of their success. And when you can do that, your jealousy or your comparison then transforms into appreciation and gratitude 
for how much smarter they've actually helped you become because they have inspired you to learn and to get better. It's curiosity over competition always. Curiosity feels so amazing and it's so fun. So that's the first emotion is curiosity. The second emotion that is a great antidote to comparison is just gratitude and contentment. Comparison breeds discontentment. And so the cure to comparison is contentment and gratitude, the opposite of that. Now, I want to be clear about this. Contentment doesn't come when we get to a point where we have enough. And that's what a lot of us think. We think, oh, okay, when I get to a point when I have enough, then I'll finally feel content. But contentment doesn't come from when we have enough. Contentment comes when what we have already is enough. There is such a big difference there. Again, I'm going to repeat that. Contentment doesn't come from when we have enough. It comes from when what we have already is enough. It comes from when you want and when you love what you already have in your life. Now, I'm going to go through this one pretty quickly because I actually have an entire episode dedicated to this one point. It's episode 19. It's called Financial Gratitude and Generosity. So if you feel like you are struggling generating gratitude in your life, please go listen to that episode right after this one to get a deeper dive into the tools that can help you cultivate gratitude in your life. But for this one, I will leave you with one of my favorite quotes from Abraham Hicks. I love that he says this. He says, it's all right where you are. You are on schedule where you are. Nothing has gone wrong. Where you are is all right. He also says, be happy before the stuff comes and then the stuff will come, right? It's this concept of feelings first. Be happy with what you have currently and then more stuff will come as opposed to wishing that you had more. That is not the energy that we generate abundance and more from. It's loving and wanting and being happy with our stuff that we already have. Then more will come. All right, the last emotion is self-love. When you find yourself comparing yourself to others, it is a big indication that your self-love tank is low. It's running on E, running on empty. You need to refill. And we often think that comparison has everything to do with the other person and what they have, but really, comparison doesn't say anything about the other person. It says everything about you. This is what I was saying before. It's like, it doesn't have anything to do with Chip and Joanna Keynes. It has everything to do with me. And I believe that most of the comparison that we're doing can be tied back to our own deep-rooted insecurities that we have about ourselves. And although we want to work to avoid the negative type of comparison altogether, it can actually be a really valuable mirror into your own mind and where your most deep-rooted insecurities lie to bring awareness to where you need to do your work. So for me, I can think of two very clear examples in my life. I've already told you one. One is my business. So when I find myself getting sucked into the comparison wormhole on Instagram, I actually don't find myself comparing, you know, my home or clothes or things like that. What I find myself doing is comparing my business and my following and my content to other people's content. Because I think for me, I have a lot of insecurities around that. And so, of course, I gravitate to like, oh, well, what are other people doing? And what are other people saying? And what's their following? And 
how fast have they grown it? And what's their revenue for their business, right? Because I have so much insecurity myself about that area of my life. So that's one. Secondly, for me, which will probably sound a little weird, you might have one of your own, but when I'm comparing myself, right, like my physical appearance, the thing that I focus on most is skin, other people's skin. When I meet someone for the first time or when I see someone, the first thing that I look at and that I notice on them is their skin because I am so self-conscious about my skin. And I've actually talked to other women about that. They're like, yeah, I'm really self-conscious about my teeth or my smile. So the first thing that I fixate on in another person is their teeth and their smile. I know for other women, I've heard like hair. They're like, oh, I'm really self-conscious about my hair. So when I meet another woman, the first thing that I look at on her is her hair. It's just also fascinating. So keep in mind that the areas that you find yourself comparing yourself or your life to other women is probably where your most deep-rooted insecurities lie. And it can be a really good indication of, oh, I need to do some work here because my self-love tank in this area of my life is really low and it can really use some deliberate attention on my part. Now, a future episode that we're going to be doing in this series is going to be all about self-confidence and self-love. But for this one here, here's just what I want to offer you now. You were never meant to have anyone else's life. You were meant to have the life that you have created. And comparing your life to someone else's is an apples to oranges comparison. Because every single human being is unique which means that every human experience is going to be unique. You are living the life that you are meant to live, and other people are living the life that they are meant to live. And when you really think about it, your life, your unique life is so miraculous. You are miraculous. And we have to marvel in that for a second. We have to remember that other people are not our competition. Life is not a competition. There is no need to compete because no one can take what was meant for you. And honestly, you don't want anything that was meant for something else. And it's not you against them or you against the world. The only competition I want you to be concerned with is the competition with yourself. The only comparison you need to be doing is comparing your past self to your present self. Have you grown? Have you developed? Are you moving forward? Are you challenging yourself? Focus on that rather than focusing on other people. The Dalai Lama himself says, the goal is not to be better than the other man, but your previous self. The goal is not to be better than the other man, but your previous self. I want to remind you that money and success, they are abundant and they are everywhere. There is plenty to go around. Someone else having success financially or experiencing success in other areas of their life does not mean that there is less for you. Instead, use other people's success as inspiration for what is possible for you to go out and create. And it's not about beating other people up. It's about building them up. We all have to define what our own versions of success look like. When you really think about it, I really want you to think about this. Do you really want the life that other people have? When I truly think about it, there is not a single human being on planet Earth that I would be willing to trade lives with. I sincerely mean that. There are so many things about my life that are so amazing. My business, my puppies, my husband, this podcast. 
And when I think about trading lives with someone else and having to give all of that up, I am simply unwilling to do it. There is no way that I would be willing to give any of that up. I know that if it really came down to it, a lot of you feel the exact same way as well. And so lock into that and lock into your own version of success and set out to create that, knowing that it's the life that you've been destined to live. So to wrap us up, I want to challenge you to do this work around overcoming comparison. The ROI that will happen when you can do this work will astound you. You will be so much happier and your bank account is going to be so much happier. You will be spending your money in such a more intentional way. You won't be spending your money anymore simply just to keep up and to create a life that you think that you need to because of what other people are doing. Simply just to make your life and your wardrobe and your house and your car and your business look exactly like someone else's because you think the grass is greener over there. When you can do this work in overcoming comparison, you will start spending your money and managing your money in a way that helps you create your intentional life based on what your version of success looks like, not anyone else's. I want to leave you with this quote, and I don't know who said it. I did not come up with this, but I saw it on Instagram one day and I was like, oh my gosh, I love that so much. I saved it. And it was even the screensaver on my phone for a period of time. But it's a quote that says, my heart is at ease knowing that what was meant for me will never miss me. And what misses me is never meant for me. I'm going to repeat that one more time just so it can soak in for you, okay? My heart is at ease knowing that what was meant for me will never miss me. And what misses me is never meant for me. There is so much peace and beauty in that sentiment. And I really hope that it helps you as much as it's helped me. All right, that is what I have for you this week in overcoming comparison and talking about comparison cost. So come back next week because next week we are actually going to be talking about a concept called decision debt, which is really our conversation that we're going to be having about indecisiveness and how to become more decisive. We got to become more decisive, ladies. Being indecisive is costing you big time. If you enjoyed this episode, please do not be shy about sharing it with your network. I love it, love it, love it when you guys tag me on Instagram and you let me know that you are listening to the podcast and the episodes that you're loving so that I can create more content like that. So if this episode resonated with you, please don't be shy about sharing it, tagging me. And like I always ask, if you have two minutes and this episode helped you, inspired you, educated you, It would mean the absolute world to me if you would take two minutes and just leave a five-star review on iTunes. It really just helps the show keep going strong. All right. I love you so much. Have a wonderful week. I will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Hey, girl. If you enjoyed this episode, I want to invite you to join me in Overcoming Overspending. It's my signature program where I take you through my three-phase approach to stop impulse shopping and overspending so that you can finally start making substantial progress with your finances. Through the self-paced online program, student community group, and live weekly coaching with me, you will receive all the encouragement you need to finally achieve lasting change with your money habits that have been sabotaging you for so long. You'll have money back in your pocket. You will leave behind the stress and the worry that you currently experience with money and your spending will be controlled, purposeful, and actually feel good and be fun. The best part is it's 100% risk-free. 
you have a lifetime to implement my proven process. And after doing that, if you don't make your investment back, I will give you a full refund. Your results are guaranteed or the program is on me. Just head over to overcomingoverspending.com to get started. I can't wait to have you as a student within the program.